This is Talking Villanova Basketball with Jay Wright, presented by Hartford Funds. This is your chance to get the inside scoop on Villanova basketball. Talking Villanova Basketball with Jay Wright is presented by Hartford Funds. Our benchmark is the investor. Now, let's talk Villanova basketball. Welcome to the Talking Villanova Basketball podcast presented by Hartford Funds. And uh, Coach, I'll turn it over to you to welcome our guest today. Thank you, Michael. Uh, we have a, a great guest. We always do, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, th this gentleman is so well-versed in so many areas. Um, I, I want to first introduce him as, as, and welcome uh, Andrew Brandt, who's the executive director of the Jeffrey Morad Center for Study of Sports Law and professor of practice. So welcome, buddy. Good to have you. Great to be with you, Jay. Always enjoy talking to you, especially in this forum. Yeah, man. This is cool. This week, huh? Um, you, you've got so many. I just want everybody to know who they're talking to if they're just basketball fans here. First of all, as the executive director of the uh, Jeffrey Morad Center for Sports Law at Villanova, that's big in itself. And, and professor of practice, what is that part, the professor of practice? Well, I think they gave me a professor job <laughs> because it, they needed to put something else on it because <laughs> I teach a bunch of classes and I do some research over there. But it's been a great experience, Jay, because – you know, when I moved back to Philadelphia, and I can get into some of my background in a minute, uh, I left, you know, a prestigious job running the Green Bay Packers. You see the helmet behind me because I wanted to do something else with my life. I really did. And I know that sounds cliche, but, you know, career of sort of three chapters, which we'll talk about, a career of representing players, a career of managing a sports team. And then I looked at it and said, you know, sort of my third chapter of my career, I really want to do something where I give back in a way that I can be productive and efficient. And I saw two ways for me to give back. One is media and two is academia. And again, I can't cure cancer. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. But what I can do is share a lot of insight, knowledge, perspective, experience that can help out the public through media and of course students and people around campus through academia. So just sort of, if we start ahead, the third chapter of my career when I moved back to Philly, and by the way, I moved back because after moving my wife to rural Wisconsin for 10 years, she got to pick the next stop. And she's, <laughs> from, she's from here. So she's from yeah. Villanova actually. So here we were. Philly girls started, always have to bring them back home. Always got to bring them back home. always happens that way, right? I asked, you know, you and I talk to guys around here. Why are you here? Oh, my wife. <laughs> I mean, that's, <laughs> that's usually what we hear. Exactly. Anyway, um, I started teaching at Wharton. They got in touch with me at Penn. Like, can you teach sports business, sports law? I'm like, yeah, sure, but I'm going to do other things. And then I started writing, and then ESPN called, and they wanted someone to sort of break down complex sports business, sports law topics to a mass audience. And it was a great experience for me to do that for seven years. I started writing. I started writing for myself, then for sport, then for ESPN, and then Sports Illustrated hired me. Now seven years ago, a guy named Peter King brought me in, and I still write a column every week on the business of football and the business of sports generally. But on the academic side, as you know, Jeff Morad, a Villanova grad who has got a similar background to me as a T 
uh, agent first, then a team guy on the baseball side. I was football, he's baseball. And of course he got into ownership, made a lot of money selling the Padres, his share of that, started the sports center at, at the law school. And I don't know if you know this, Jay, but he said, hey, Andrew, I just found out you're in Philadelphia. Would you run that thing? And I'm like, and my answer was honestly, no, no, you don't want me. You don't want me, you know, get an academic that's going to be there all the time. That's kind of a, a professorial type and don't get me. <laughs> and he said, okay. And this was him and the former Dean, John Gatanda. And they went away. And two weeks later, they came back. He said, you know what? We don't want an academic. We want someone with a national name and voice. And that's going to really lead by practical experience and insight. All the things I talked about wanting to do. And I said, you know, I'm not going to be there like every day. I'm not going <laughs> They said, we get it. And, with, and then they said something like that made me, all right, I got to take this. Because then they said, you're more valuable to us out there than you are sitting in an office. And I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> That's exactly what I want to hear. And uh, it's now been six years. And as you know, what we do over at the Moritz Center is we run obviously a curriculum of five sports law classes, two of which I teach. Vincent Castro, who hired you, was our AD here for 15 years. He's now Deputy Commissioner of the Big East. He still teaches for me once a week. He's great. And of course, we have other instructors. We have symposia. We have uh, speakers. Our symposia is recognized around the country. And then, of course, we have all these student groups that get involved. And the other interaction I'm really proud of is with your program and the athletics as a whole, starting to get more involved in lending whatever I can towards you guys. So I started with kind of this third chapter of my career, which is now based in media and, of course, in Villanova. And it's been going great. Well, it has been going great. It's been going great for Villanova, too. We've been uh, blessed to have you. And, and um, you know, you, a small part of it, it to you, but big for us is being able to um, give guidance to our players as, as they choose agents. But even more importantly, in recruiting, just letting guys understand that there's someone here that's unbiased, unconnected, and um, can just give them valuable advice from both sides, uh, right. having you having been an agent and then you having been an executive that's had to negotiate with agents. So it's, it's, and that's why you're so valuable to this, to this podcast too. Um, you know, I, I initially, as you, you know, you and I talked, wanted to have you on to talk about this name image and likeness issue in college athletics, which we're going to get to at the end. But, as you and I both agree, uh, at, at this time in our world, in this time in our country, and in sports, there, there's nothing more important uh, than, than this issue of race in our country and um, the, the uh, treatment of, of African Americans throughout the history of our, our country and how it's finally come to light, uh, how we all have to uh, to change our, our thinking and our actions. And I, I just, I, I wanna start with that. And, and I know you've been on the front lines with the NFL and, and just initially, and you can take this where you want, but I'm interested in the Roger Goodell, Kaepernick relationship. And you know I thought it was great that he got out and spoke, but 
why you didn't mention Colin Kaepernick, your, your thoughts on that. Yeah, that was, I don't know if the word is disappointing. It was a little surprising because, you know, listen, what, what has happened here? And we'll just talk about this issue right now. It was four years ago, really four years ago. Think about that. August, 2016, when Colin Kaepernick took it at that time, a seat later changed to kneeling for the first time. And it was after that game, the exact comments he made were the ones everyone's talking about, the world's talking about, not just the country right now. He made those comments. It's the only time he really addressed it. And he said, I'm not standing because I don't like the way police are treating minorities. I don't like police brutality. And he even said something about police are killing people and not getting whatever fired or prosecuted. And oh my God, <laughs> this, this is exactly what the world is talking about right now about not only the incident in Minnesota, but other incidents and this sort of general topic of police treatment of minorities. So it's just ironic that this player who's been unemployable for four years, really unemployable because of his views, uh, and now everyone's talking about it. I don't know what's going to happen with Kaepernick specifically. I don't think a team will sign him. I think that ship has sailed. Uh, I think that with the actions toward him are not collusive. Uh, to break it down legally for a minute, there was a collusion case against the NFL by Colin Kaepernick. And collusion in simplest terms means teams and or the league join together to not sign him. Like there was an agreement, implicit, tacit, saying we're not signing with this guy. And then he pursued that, and then there was a settlement. Now, no one knows what the settlement said. No one knows for how much. Everyone's speculating. What does it say? But then last November, all of a sudden we read the NFL is having a tryout for Colin Kaepernick at the Atlanta Falcons facility on a Saturday in November. And I'm like, What? because I've been around pro football for 30 years. I've never, ever seen the NFL set up a workout. They set up the, the combine, and, but it's teams that send up the individual workouts. So I'm like, what is this about? And then of course it broke down and Kaepernick took his ball and went to a high school field and only six or seven teams showed up. Supposedly there are gonna be 25 teams. Anyway, of course no one signed him. It told me, I looked at it as the NFL saying, hey, we did our part. And now you blame the teams. If you don't sign and blame the teams, there was something going on that we'll never know about that because maybe the relationship with Jay-Z was part of that. I don't know what happened there. But now we have this open invitation for the NFL to reach out because exactly what he talked about four years ago happened. And the NFL first came out probably two weeks ago with this, what I thought was a nebulous statement, we support racial diversity, we support equality. Okay, so what? And then if you recognized the employees of the NFL sort of got mad, they did their own video with the players, this young kid reached out to Michael Thomas and Pat Mahomes and all these players did their own video. And then lo and behold, last Friday night, whatever that first Friday night of June was, Roger Goodell releases a video. And it was more intense than the statement. 
And it was more like, we're going to support peaceful protests, even though we haven't really had any owners chime in and say they're not going to be upset with players for doing whatever Kaepernick did. But it did not, as you said, mention Kaepernick, and we still have no, no nothing so there. I guess where we come out on this is bravo to the NFL and all these sports leagues for supporting the cause for being empathetic about what happened in Minneapolis and other places, and for listening to their black players and understanding the issues. But two things, why no mention of Kaepernick? And two is, will it last? You know, because what we have is great energy around this cause right now. Now, other sports are about to start up with COVID. It's gonna be, you know, a watch and wait situation. As you know, we're all waiting to see what happens with the three T's, testing, treatment, and tracing. But this is gonna come back. I don't see this one fading. And you've got leagues like the NBA and NFL, predominantly African-American players, that just aren't gonna let this pass. I don't see it. Maybe it did a couple years ago. It was brought back with the president sort of calling these guys sons of bitches, and then it kind of faded again. But this feels different. You know, it feels like something is going to continue through these seasons. NBA starting up, NFL, we'll get to college basketball. It's like this is going to have some momentum. And now I think the hard part is ahead is what I'm saying. Is the easy part is statements, supporting it because it's so fresh and new right now and protests in the streets. But we'll see what happens. Very, very interesting. And, and I think, um, as you said, there will be... Uh, little, little tests uh, along the way coming up here. Uh, it's interesting. College football, yeah. uh, they do not stand on the field for the national anthem. They're not out there. They're in the locker rooms. Um, college football, yeah. they are. College basketball, we are. And it's, I remember in 16 having this discussion with our team and you know, what are we, this is important. You know, what are we going to do? And, I, and our, our African-American players wanted to support Colin Kaepernick. And we did a video and, and we decided to put our arms around each other's shoulders during the anthem and, our, and our, our hands over our hearts to show our respect for the country, but our arms around each other's shoulders to show our, our brotherhood and our support, you know, of, of Black Lives Matter. I think even back then that was the, I think that was the term we used, but we had, we had guys um, really passionate, Eric Pasco and Amari Spellman and um, Daryl Reynolds. It was really, it was great yeah. uh, conversations like, like we're having now. Um, but like you said, it's so different now. What, I don't think there's any question now on whether guys are being disrespectful of military people or our country. It's, it's just become clear and i and i think the national anthem is going to be a totally different experience now what, what are your thoughts on that yeah i mean somehow some way somehow some way and i guess it's politics and rhetoric this got conflated with the anthem and military and i i just referenced kaepernick addressed what it was about it's about inequity of, of minorities and police brutality and police consequences for doing what they've done and 
I guess just somehow it was made about the flag. And again, I don't want to get into politics, but that was part of it. And there's a segment of the population that sees Kaepernick as this negative force to these ideals of patriotism and the flag and military. And it's ironic because he was told to kneel or advised to kneel instead of sit by a guy from the military, Nate Boyer, who's a Green Beret. So it's all, it all got conflated. And again, politics, rhetoric, whatever happens. So I just think, you know, we're going to see something in the NFL, which has the biggest platform, but I think other leagues as well. Like I hear about U.S. soccer, you know, may not, you know, they're going to sort of allow players to kneel and there's, there's going to be no issues there. This has momentum. And I just think, you know, you guys did a great job in 16 as well. It's just, how each organization is going to deal with this. One thing about standing, you talked about the anthem not being even played in college football. One thing about standing is the NBA has a rule. Players must stand for the anthem. And they're seen as the most progressive league. Now, this was done in bargaining years and years ago. The NFL, the least progressive league in a lot of people's eyes, has a rule that says you are encouraged to stand, but you're not required. Wow. So it's never been something that they could have discipline for. Um, but I'll just leave it at this. We have Goodell's statement, which does explicitly say, I support peaceful protests, but we haven't seen his boss's owners really come out and say, I'm in and my players are good no matter what they do. We've seen coaches. I just saw Ron Rivera, the Redskins today, other coaches uh, saying no problem, but it's one thing for the coaches. It's another thing for owners of pro sports teams to say, you're good. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. Let me ask you one more question in this segment. We'll take a break after this question, and, and we'll, we'll talk about name, image, and likeness for college athletes. Um, what, what is, is it the ownership in the, the individuals and in ownership in the NBA in conjunction with um, Adam Silver that is different than the NFL, or is it just simply the collective, collective bargaining agreement that's different that allows the NBA to attack these issues, it, se it seems, with, 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 with great uh, teamwork between players and the league and the ownership as, as opposed to the NFL? It's a great question, and I, I agree with you. And I've been around the NFL a long time as an employee and also a business observer. There doesn't seem to be that, that harmony uh, with the players that you talk about. And it's partly the commissioner. And I'm not, I, I'm trying to phrase this as not a negative on Commissioner Goodell, but maybe more positive with Commissioner Silver. Because when Adam Silver came in, and I, I teach this about Commissioner tenures <laughs> he was on the job maybe what a week a month two months and that whole thing with the owner of the clippers donald sterling and the yeah. secretly recorded tape saying negative things about black people just burst on the scene and if people remember we had potential player revolt you know we had the clippers and chris paul turning their jerseys inside out people talking about boycotting it was right at the playoffs and this poor man comes in as commissioner literally the minute, minute before that happened. And 
he rallied around the players. He gave a strong endorsement of them over owners. And in so many words, in so many ways, basically kicked out Sterling, guy who had owned the team for 40 years, out. <laughs> and so, and of course, Balmer buys it for $2 billion. They're the most profitable franchise in the league or, or most expensive ever. Um, but the way he handled that was just a sort of a harbinger of things to come. Progressive, he has ridden floats in the gay pride parade. He has gone against North Carolina for the All-Star game because they had a bathroom bill. He has constantly allowed for the I Can't Breathe t-shirts. Uh, I think even Black Lives Matter. A, he has had star players support those causes like Chris Paul and LeBron. And you're right, it just seems a symbiosis there that we don't see in the NFL. Why not in the NFL? I think owners are, frankly, older, uh, you know, not as progressive, and they do sort of run the league as much as the commissioner does. I think you have some progressive ownership in the NBA, like Mark Cuban, like others that have really gotten behind Silver and these different attitudes towards things. Um, and it's impressive to see the NBA lead. And I, I, just a word about COVID before we take a break. I don't know about you, but when, when the Rudy Gobert positive test happened on March 11th, and 10 o'clock at night after the Sixers were finishing their game, they canceled the league or suspended the league. That was the wake up call on COVID for me. Yeah. Like everything happening outside of sports, you know, not because I'm a huge sports fan. It's just like, uh, okay, it's, you know, something's going on, something's going on. But when Adam Silver suspended the league, and then within 24 hours, we had all these leagues stop. You were playing the Big East tournament. That stopped in the middle. And then March Madness, a week later, it's gone. And so anyway, what I'm saying is Adam Silver was kind of the, the first to stop the world. Yes. Yes. And what I'm saying is now it becomes the NBA starting up. It's like, here we go. Adam Silver says, we're going. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. I mean, I obviously social distancing and masks and everything else, but, and it's a bubble concept in Orlando, but it's like he has become kind of a, a symbol of stop and, and now go. Yeah. Great, great point. Uh, so I, I think, um, you know, Adam Silver deserves a lot of credit for that. And, uh, Michael, you can take us to a break, buddy. Uh, we're going to pause here. You're listening to Talking Villanova Basketball, presented by Hartford Funds. We'll be back after this. When Mother Nature strikes, count on your certaintyed roof to perform. That's the commitment we've made to homeowners for more than 100 years. For roofing you can rely on, look no further than CertainTeed. To find a CertainTeed credentialed contractor near you, visit CertainTeed.com. This is a shout-out to the professional tailgaters, game-day grillers, and potluck pros. Whether you bake it, smoke it, stack it, or melt it, there's nothing more important about how you cook up your team spirit while serving it with an ice-cold Coca-Cola, Coke Zero Sugar, or Coke Life. We may not all agree on the best game-day foods, but when you serve your meals with a Coke, you know you've got yourself a winner. Coca-Cola. Taste the feeling. ExxonMobil and Dunn Manning, proud sponsors of Villanova Wildcat Athletics. 
This podcast is brought to you by Hartford Funds, a leading asset manager based in Wayne, Pennsylvania. While other investment management companies measure performance against the S&P 500, Hartford Funds has a different measure of success, investor satisfaction. Hartford Funds, our benchmark is the investor. J.J. White Incorporated is the single-source, multi-trade contractor for your next construction project. Since 1920, J.J. White Incorporated has been constructing with knowledge and providing service with integrity and safety. Visit J.J. White online at jjwhiteinc.com. Are you looking for something imprinted or embroidered? If so, let Campus Clothes help you get the look. Whether your team is in the corporate office or on the athletic field, Campus Clothes can supply your team with all its needs. Visit us on the web at campusclothes.com or give us a call at 215-357-0892. You may not play well, but you will always look good. If you think your debit card can't help you with your financial game, you're probably not using the red key. Introducing EasyUp by KeyBank, the tool that helps you reduce debt by setting $1 aside from your checking account every time you use your debit card. Automatically racking up savings and paying down debt with EasyUp. It's how you make financial progress. KeyBank is member FDIC and the exclusive retail bank of Villanova Athletics. NovaCare, the exclusive provider of physical therapy to Villanova. The Wildcats choose NovaCare. So can you. Welcome back to the Talking Villanova Basketball podcast with Jay Wright, presented by Hartford Funds. And we resume our fascinating conversation with Andrew Grant, and I'm turning it back over to you, Coach. Thanks, Michael. Um, man, we, Andrew, we could, man, we, we could talk about um, pro sports and, and the impact now going forward forever, it, it, the impact of, of uh, our race relations and uh, leadership and, uh, of, the, uh, of, the, uh, of the players, the coaches. I, we could go forever. I need to get your insight here because I think some of our college basketball fans can really benefit from this as I can on the, the issue coming up in the 21, 22 season, it looks like now uh, that uh, college basketball players will, will and football players and, and all college student athletes will be able to benefit financially from uh, using their name, image, and likeness. So when you hear people talk about NIL, that's what they're talking about. And let, let's let use your expertise as a lawyer and a former agent and executive to kind of simplify for us. I, I want to look at this as fans and coaches who say, oh, we can't do this. You know, we can't. This is going to ruin college sports. If you could just explain why that argument is over that train has left the station and that's not an option anymore yeah that's a lot to unpack here i think what we've had in the vision of college sports has changed from years and years ago what it used to be is a nice little package where you know there was no revenue involved and now there's obviously tons of revenues not only hundreds of millions but even billions of dollars associated with primarily two sports, college men's basketball and college men's football, and the bigger programs. So where we've always been in college sports is this concept of amateurism. 
And I know people have some skepticism about this word, especially those kind of naysayers about business and sports and things like that. I hold on to that view as well in terms of the, good, the, the goodness of amateurism. The separation of college sports to pro sports, that's really what this is about. Now, over the past couple of years, the NCAA, which I know is viewed as stodgy and archaic and living in the old ages, they have turned the corner. What they have seen is that we are going to allow for third parties to compensate college athletes for their NIL, for their name image likeness, which has value. There's a recognition that these players have value above and beyond their value as a team player, have value personally. They have brands, and that's a word we're going to talk about. So how do you value that? We're going to find out. So what the NCA is putting forward is allowances for players to market their brand, brand NAL, whatever you want to call it, to earn income outside of playing for their team. Here are the important points about it. It does not, cannot, will not be money coming from the schools. So anything that comes to these players will be outside of the schools. As I say, third party, someone else, someone else. The other part of this is the NCA is trying to tether this to education. So somehow keep this connected to their role as a student athlete. How that happens, we're gonna to have to figure it out. But a lot of this is in response, Jay, to what's going on on the states. It was very well publicized when the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, goes on LeBron's show uninterrupted and says, I'm gonna sign a bill. I, he may have even signed it in the barbershop chair. <laughs> said, I'm allowing this. And that this is exactly what we're talking about. Players to earn off the field that have never had that opportunity before because if they did, they would be subject to NCAA violations that could affect their teams, that could affect their eligibility, that could affect everything. So he signs this bill. The bill is on its way. The good news for the NCAA is the bill doesn't take effect until 2023. The bad news for the NCAA is we, if I'm talking to NCA, have to get ahead of this because it's coming. And now Florida and now Colorado. And it's unclear when those would go into effect. And the bigger question is nationally and federally. There's Anthony Gonzalez, the former player for Ohio State football, who's in House of Representatives saying, I'm going to put forward a bill nationally. So all of this, we can say, you can say it cynically, you can say it realistically, the NCAA is responding to a world out there that is coming at them from the state side and maybe federally, but they are advancing it. I will say this, let us give the NCAA credit because everyone can come at them and say, oh, this is long overdue. But the fact is they've never allowed this. They've never allowed this. They've never even allowed someone to, a student athlete to have a little business where he makes t-shirts or whatever it is, that would be a violation. Now that is going to be allowed. The question I have, and you can chime in in terms of who- well, I want to interrupt you for yeah, one Go second. ahead, go ahead. I want you to clarify, um, as you and I talked, I'm on this committee and coaches, you know, hearing these things, even coaches. So I'm sure fans are thinking the same thing, hearing this for the first time or saying, um, 
you know, we can't do this. You know what? So I'm clear here. The, it, it's kind of an issue for all, all politicians and all state governments. It, it's, an, it, it's an easy win for them. They, they, in, in, their state, in, in their state legislature, they bring that up. Well, who's going to argue with that? Hey, I want, you know, I'm in Pennsylvania and, and all the Penn State, I want the Penn State football players to get paid. Yeah, good. So every state's going to be able to get this passed, correct? It's popular, right? You just said it. Like, college athletes making a lot of money for their school. We hear about the jersey sales with their name on it, all that. Yeah, yeah. So they're going to fight that. So I think there's something like 35 states right now that have this legislative process ongoing at this time. So you have 35 states. It, it's happening. The, N the NCAA can't say, hold up, we're not going to do this. And as you're saying, give them credit. They're saying we're going to we're going to do this. So now we're in the process of trying to put some parameters around this. How are we going to do this? What is, and, and so everyone understands, we have to get this done by 21, but we're, we're still in the discussion stages. So nothing, you know, any of these proposals you see, they're not, they're not in stone yet. How, how would you say, the best path for the NCA in the short term to deal with this and to be ready for this in 21 um, when, when they feel they need to be before something, you know, before Congress comes to them and says, hey, you got to get this straight. They want to have something in place, correct? You use the word parameters and the word that everyone's using that sort of is the word of the day for the NCA. It's not parameters, but it's guardrails. So I keep hearing that word, guardrails. We have to put in some guardrails. And to be clear, you know, we're all at Villanova. I'm working with our compliance department and our athletic director to figure out, you know, how do we respond as a university? What is our input? Not only to Val Ackerman, who you and I know well at the Big East, but to the NCA in general. They're looking for our guidance as well. And we're trying to figure it out. The one thing is the guardrail that has to be there is, as I said, there cannot be abuse. And the abuse is really endorsed, I'm sorry, recruiting. So we all are worried about an arms race. So pick without a name, a successful college football program, goes to the star quarterback in high school and says, you know, when you come here, Joe Chevrolet down the street, you know, really is looking for someone to do a half a million dollar endorsement deal and drive their car. Could be you. You know, it wouldn't be the school because that's the guardrail. Can't be the school. Can't be the school. But, you know, or they could recruit in a few years and say, you know, Joe Smith went here and year one, he made 100,000 from NIL. By the time he left in year four, he made 700,000 in NIL. How about that? You know, so this cannot get into a situation where the guardrails come off and this just becomes a recruiting tool. How do you enforce that? Well, value. You know, we also have to see about value. Like if someone goes down the street to sign autographs, and is paid $100,000, that something's wrong. You know, if he's paid 1,000, that's great. But there's a talk about a blue ribbon economic committee 
that sort of is this clearinghouse that sets value for autograph signings, for appearances, for meet and greets with sponsors, for coaches, you know, hang out with uh, talks and corporate outings and golf events. And we really are going down that path. The question is how much and how far and how are we gonna allow this? I think the real question to me has always been, who are we talking about here? Everyone points to the outliers, you know, Zion and Tua and, you know, how many are we really talking about? And I, ha I have two thoughts on this. One, yeah, it's just this tiny, tiny 0.001% of college athletes. But a part of me does say, now, wait a minute, we could allow for this in ways we're not even thinking about for lesser athletes, lesser sports. And I talked to Val Ackerman about this specifically, like, so wait a minute. So now a, a women's volleyball player can go give private lessons or a women's softball player for a hundred dollars an hour. Yeah. Yeah. That's never been allowed. Or so now for a lot of people watching more than you and I, they know these things or, you know, you probably know them. these cameo shout outs, like shout outs. You yeah. get a, a famous athlete to do a shout out for you we couldn't have that before you can't do that now you can now you can you know there was the kid at uh at uh university of virginia who sank the winning shot in the ncaa tournament uh he he was talking he couldn't do a shout out <laughs> after winning the ncaa championship but a week later when he turned pro he could <laughs> so it was like he was getting all this money for shout outs or whatever it is. So all these, and then the question of Instagram and influencing this whole social media thing. This is where to me, Jay, it really gets complicated because then it's like, what's their value outside of the name? So what, if someone's coming in with a thousand Instagram followers and then they're playing for Duke or Villanova or Kentucky or Michigan state and a week later, they have 50,000 Instagram followers. That's, to me, hard to assess value. Should we say, that's fine, you know? Or should we say, no, that's really the university value. It's not really the kid's value. So, how, so if they're getting a, an endorsement for X amount of money, is that fair market value? This is where it gets complicated. And compliance departments are already busy. Right. And now they're going to be busier. Who's going to be the agent? You know, they can, and, and I should say they can hire agents, but then there's guardrails about it can't be an agent that's going to try to get them to be an agent for pro basketball, or pro football or something. And like, that's tough. So what we're doing is let's give credit to the NCA. But every time we try to answer a question, there's 10 more questions that are gonna cause a lot of these worries about guardrails. We may spend more time in compliance here than anywhere else. It's gonna be, I'm interesting from your, um, from your legal standpoint, and, and again, you have a perspective of pro sports that adds to this. Uh, one of the issues that, that we're trying to address right now and a committee that I, I'm involved with is and we think the most important is the term they're using is pre-enrollment, which yeah. is what you mentioned. That's recruiting. So, but it's, you know, as soon as these high school students 
and it doesn't have to just be the great player like the Zion Williams or, or a, a Jalen Brunson. And, you know, when Jalen Brunson was playing in, in Chicago, he was a rock star. I mean, he could have made a ton of money as a high, um, you know, Illinois player of the year. The, the whole, and he had done it for a couple of years, great student. His high school had 5,500 students in his high school. So he could, he would have 5,500 followers right there. But if these guys figure out they're allowed to do it in college, they're going to have relationships and contracts when they're in high school. Yeah. They're going to make money. So if we start uh, putting guardrails up that don't allow them to continue those contracts in college, aren't we just going to get sued? And I, I, let, I use the example definitely a great player could get a Adidas contract and he wants to go to a Nike school and the Nike school says, Hey, you have to wear Nike. And the kid says, I have a contract with Adidas. Wouldn't that kid win that lawsuit? I think so. I think that would be a restraint of trade. The question is, sorry about that. <laughs> the question is, um, are we going to allow this dictation of what endorsement opportunities are allowable or not is really the question you're asking. You know, there's a part of this that is being put forward by the NCA, but not by the states about exactly what you're talking about. So the NCA is saying, no, you cannot enter a sponsor category of sponsor, which is opposed to what the school has. Like you said, the Nike Reebok thing or the Nike Adidas thing. School, uh, California, Colorado, all these states, and there's nothing in there about that. So this is NCA, and it gets back to, can we get ahead of this NCA before these states come in or the federal bill and sort of take it away from us? These are going to be issues that, again, you're trying to make this less about pro basketball. Pro players don't have to pick a shoe, you know, that this team has. So, right. yeah, and... And again, the more uh, ability that the young player has, the more hands that are coming to him, the more schools that are coming to him, as you know from regular recruiting before all this, the more they can ask for, the more the leverage they have in their own recruiting. This right. is going to be hard to manage. Uh, you mentioned lead legal. Now, I've talked about legislation. The other part of legislation, which is a little more complicated, I'll just simplify it, is litigation. So we are coming off two major wins for players. One is the O'Bannon case. Ed O'Bannon, former player for UCLA, who basically was sitting at his cousin's house one day and saw his something look like him on one of these classic uh, Madden games or video games. And that led to three years of litigation where basically the courts have said, players have to be compensated for this, but we're going to limit it. It's not going to be unlimited and still has to be tethered education and it's cost of attendance and all those things. So the NCAA saw it as a win, but other people saw it as a step towards a bigger future for players. Recently, there's been an Austin case, ALSDON, college football player from West Virginia, who has won in the same court in California, basically saying, we got to take some of these restraints off, but the judge doesn't really talk about what or where. But these are wins for the player's side. So 
why is the NCA opening this up? Two reasons, legislation and litigation, it's coming at them. But hopefully smart minds are gonna get in front of this and figure out the proper, again, guardrails for pre-enrollment, for how to deal with this, for where players can go with this, because it's coming, it's coming. And I just think that I get skeptics saying, well, these schools, college football, big schools, they're doing this anyway, right? They're giving out packages and boosts. I mean, just one thing I've got to say, this word booster, I don't know how you deal with that. Because again, boosters are going to be persona non grata according to these rules. But everyone's a booster. I mean, go to Starkville, Mississippi, go to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, go to uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, find someone there who's not a booster. I mean, find a human being in business <laughs> who's not a booster. I don't know how that's going to happen. And the other thing is athletic departments are worried that if, if a company spends 10 grand on a sign in an arena, they'll say, you know, maybe I'll spend eight grand. I'll give two to your star player. That could happen. And, and, and multiply those numbers. Your big sponsor's given half a million dollars. Now he's going to give 300,000, 200,000 your star player. I mean, these are real issues that we're trying to deal with. It is. It, it's, it's, it, and one, it's, it's fascinating from, as you said, once any angle you look at it, so you just think about the, the, the athletic department looking at, we were going to get 10,000. Now we're only going to get eight and the player, the star player is going to get two. Think about from a coach's perspective, yeah. when the basketball coach says, Hey, that card dealer is giving the star quarterback 25,000. We need him to give that to our point guard. <laughs> so I'm, com I'm competing with the football coach because we need a point guard. He needs, he needs a quarterback. Right. And we only have, that one card deal is going to give the most money. And, and those kids are going to know, hey, the quarterback at, makes this much, gets this much. And this point guard who's a national player of the year contender, he should make more. They're going to know all that. And – it's, it's going to be competition within our own athletic departments for these third parties, right? So it, uh, and it is complex. And, um, and to say I'll nothing, leave you, we I'll leave you with your final, give me, give me, we have so far to go on this, but give me a final thought on this. I have a couple of worries that are going to sound a little fuddy duddy, but. <laughs> Here I go. One, I worry, <laughs> I worry. I do worry about the academic part in that this is more time away from being a student. Uh, obviously, you have all your practice, you have your games, you have all the 40-hour weeks around being an athlete at, at school. But this is looking for opportunities, going to opportunities, having whatever agent you use, get involved with that, or going to do some furniture appearance, whatever it is, it's just a little more time away. And you do wonder about that if, in fact, it's more than your star quarterback and more than your star point guard, and it becomes sort of a, a, a thing that everyone's doing. They're doing the cameos. They're doing the private lessons. Everybody finds out about a certain, you know, <laughs> certain family that gives out a lot of private lessons for women's softball players or whatever it is. Um, 
The other thing is I'll just say, as you and I and Mike know so well, we're at Villanova. We have 20-something sports. The one you coach makes money, and that's it. So when people talk about college sports, there just seems to be this attitude, oh, yeah, they're making so much money, and you know, they pay Nick Saban $12 million a year. Like, listen, this is the, the NCA is a huge operation with thousands of sports. There's 650 student athletes at Villanova alone. And people don't realize that there are limits. There are limits. So I just want people to understand this is not limitless. What we've seen since cancellation of March Madness, and God forbid, if college football has limitations coming up, it's not college basketball and college football and even mostly women's sports that are gonna be affected. But there have been cuts in the past two months that people don't even know about. Furman cuts baseball, Old Dominion cuts wrestling. All these sports are just being cut. Opportunities for student athletes, cut. So at some point, there's a limit. Revenue coming in for players or for the school or for coaches or for facilities is important. It's not limitless. And you have programs that are propping up 5, 10, 15, 20 other sports. And I just hope we don't lose those opportunities. Because, you know, I went to Stanford. I was a terrible, terrible athlete there. Played on the tennis team. Never got to play. But what an experience. And I, you know, hundreds of student athletes that never go pro, the vast majority of them. But what an experience. And what if that was taken away from them? You know, I'm already talking to our athletic director about, can I do some programming for student athletes that lost their spring because of COVID and are coming back with an extra year of eligibility? This is what it's all about. You know, so student athletics is the best thing to me. Sports at, at, at universities just is the storefront of the whole university. And I hope we don't lose that beyond the big time. I, th I think that's a great point. A, a great one to end on. And, and we're, we're lucky to have you, Andrew, as, as an advisor and an ally through uh, all of this. We got a lot of work to do, buddy. <laughs> but, uh, It'll be fun doing it. It will be, man. And, and, and thanks for your time. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Jay. I really enjoyed it. Me too. This has been Talking Villanova Basketball Podcast with Jay Wright, presented by Hartford Funds. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to Talking Villanova Basketball, presented by Hartford Funds. Now coming to you throughout the season and beyond. Talking Villanova Basketball with Jay Wright is presented by Hartford Funds. Our benchmark is the investor. Stop by Great American Pub, Bar, and Grill with locations in Conshohocken, Wayne, and Phoenixville. If you're looking for fine food in a casual atmosphere, Great American Pub is the place for you. Come out to Great American Pub for great food, great times, and great fun. For more information, visit us at www.greatamericanpub.com.